What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. So today we continue our series on the grace of Les Mis. We've looked at how this famous book and musical exhibits God's grace. We've also explored what happens when grace and justice collide with each other. Uh, Last week we looked at poverty and how God calls us to care for the miserables, uh, people caught in terrible situations. And the only thing God says to look at is not their sin, not their worthiness or response to our help. The only condition is that there is need there. That's it. Just the need that they have. That's a challenging one for many of us, I'm sure. And now we transition to the gift of love. We are looking at the love story of Marius and Cosette and trying to understand what a story like that could have to do with us and with God. So as we've been Doing throughout this series, we're going to hear a clip of one of the songs from Les Mis, performed by someone in our congregation. Today, Rachel is going to share with us the song, A Heart Full of Love, a beautiful song to inspire even the grumpiest of people. Let's give a listen. song. Do you suddenly feel like the world is a better place? Uh, That's what love can do, and you can be inspired even more by listening to the rest of the song on Facebook and YouTube after the service. Uh, We're going to hear a scripture about love as well, although not quite in the same way. This is the story of the prodigal son, and is part of a series of stories from Jesus about things that are lost. First a sheep, then a coin, and now we hear the story of a son. This is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, 11 through 24. Bill DeBlock is going to read for us a recording he made at home. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that belongs to me. So he divided his property between them. And a few days later, The younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in desolate living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? And here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. And when he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. And then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. 
I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring a robe, the best one, and put it on him, and put a ring on his finger, and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. And from the Song of Solomon 8, 6, and 7, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is strong as death, passion fierce as the grave. It flashes, our flashes of fire, a raging flame. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If one offered for love all the wealth of one's house, it would be utterly scorned. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we want to be an inclusive community, passionately following Jesus Christ. As we explore the story of Les Mis and the love you have for us, help us to move in this direction, to be people with your love at the center of our lives. Amen. Uh, so we've been following the story of Les Mis throughout the season of Lent, and love probably feels like a topic that is ready-made for this season. But the problem is there are all kinds of love out there. And in Les Mis, one of the great examples of love we see is between Marius, a young revolutionary with a rich grandfather, and Cosette, a, a naive but hopeful girl who has been sheltered by the one she calls father, but who also uh, has a criminal past. Her father, her, the one she calls father, has that criminal past. So Jean, Jean Valjean, who stole a loaf of bread and was imprisoned for 19 years for it, has adopted the daughter of a poor woman who died of tuberculosis. He has raised her as his own at a convent. Now, how this happened is quite an interesting story in the book. Valjean initially sneaks into the convent, which is very strict, allowing no man to enter except the bishop and the gardener, who must wear a bell on his leg to warn the nuns of his presence. The gardener just so happens to be a man whose life Valjean saved earlier in life. So when he sneaks in, the man is immediately ready to help him in any way he can. This is another change of identity for Valjean as his old self, first a criminal and then a rich factory owner who is elected mayor, must die so that he can raise Cosette in safety at this convent. So he becomes an assistant gardener and Cosette enrolls at the boarding school in the convent. This is an ideal setup for both of them because of the safety it provides. As Cassette gets older, though, the strict convent does not let her learn about the outside world, making the convent, in effect, a religious prison for her. When she and Valjean finally move to Paris, she is freed from this, and though she has developed her intellect at school, she is emotionally and socially immature, which creates tension between her and her father. He cares for her and doesn't want to lose the father-daughter relationship, which has taught him so much about real love. 
there is a clear and obvious threat to this relationship, a young man named Marius. Marius would walk the same paths of the Luxembourg Gardens in Paris every day. One day, he noticed a young girl and a much older man walking with her. This, of course, was Cosette and Valjean. But he didn't think much of it. But every day, they too were walking the same path of this garden. This went on for months, and it wasn't until one particular day that everything changed. The book says this, One day, the air was mild. The Luxembourg was flooded with sunshine and shadow. The sky was as clear as if the angels had washed it in the morning. The sparrows were twittering in the depths of the chestnut trees. Marius had opened his whole soul to nature. He was thinking of nothing. He was living and breathing. He passed near the seat. The young girl raised her eyes. Their glances met. That is the fateful moment when both of their lives are transformed because as they see one another, they fall in love. In the play, Maria sings, with a heart full of love. He had actually studied law in school. He had his degree and was very interested in politics, so much so that he had a huge falling out with his grandfather. But in a moment, everything is changed. With their eyes meeting, he sings, I am lost. All that happened before that moment no longer matters. He is consumed with this girl whose name he doesn't even know. And Cassette, she feels the same. She sings in that moment, not I am lost, but I am found. Her world is complete with this man that is so captivated by her. Uh, I saw in the newspaper this week snippets of love stories. One was of an old woman who always made marmalade for others. She showed herself a little love by opening one of these jars that takes so much time to make and turn to preserves. She happily ate the sticky, runny mess to brighten her day. Another was of a couple who lived hours away from each other. The woman's father had just died, and her boyfriend, Chris, drove six hours just to hold her and tell her he loved her while she grieved. One more is of a stranger who was enamored with a, a couple across the train from her. His hand was in her pocket, uh, and she was holding a beautiful set of yellow tulips, as they squished into each other, the stranger asked to take a picture of them, which they happily agreed to. Love is beautiful and transformative, for sure. But I also can't help but think of the other side of that coin. The play has another famous song, On My Own, uh, where another young lady, Eponine, sings about Marius because they knew each other as neighbors. She's in love with him, but he does not love her. She is on her own. The next day she sacrifices her own life to save Marius, but this is not the same kind of love we celebrate. Eponine led Marius to the barricade where war would break out. She wanted Marius to die because she could not have him to herself. The only reason she saved him was because she didn't want him to die first. I think of others who have loved and lost, whether through death or divorce or other unfortunate circumstances. Love between two people is powerful, but it is 
but is it powerful enough to overcome these obstacles? Can love really, truly conquer all? I think many of us would say, for as incredible as love may be, the love between two people isn't enough. It isn't everything. There's got to be more to this life than just loving another human in a romantic sense. And that's what the story of the prodigal son reminds us of. There's more than just this romantic love that connects people. Jesus tells the story of a son who shows anything but love for his father. He tells him he wants his inheritance early so he can go and live somewhere else. In that time, this would have been the height of insult. It would be like saying, Dad, I wish that you were dead. And that, in a society that saw caring for one's family as perhaps the most important thing you can do. We are meant to think that this son is awful. He is selfish and shows uh, outright contempt for his father. When he leaves for a foreign land, things don't go well. He wasted his money because he was young and inexperienced and winds up having to get a menial job tending pigs. And in case you missed it, a Jewish boy tending pigs shows just how far he's fallen. Pigs are the most unclean of animals to Jews. So the prodigal son is at absolute rock bottom here. Now, here's the strange thing. The story Jesus has told up to this point is a common story. Other people told stories just like this to show what happens when you despise your parents, when you scorn the love and support of family members. You are going to hit rock bottom. His audience would have expected the story to end there with the lesson being, don't ridicule your parents. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says things get even worse. This kid is eating pig's food. How absolutely disgusting that is. And he's being cheated on the pay that he's receiving. Makes me think of the worst job I've ever had. Uh, actually, it wasn't just one job. It was three uh, just out of college, I painted houses, I worked with patients who had traumatic brain injuries, and I worked in the meat department of a grocery store. The first two jobs weren't so bad, but having a college degree and cleaning the equipment used to cut beef and pork and chicken all day felt so insulting. I couldn't keep doing such a menial job, one that was really quite gross, it was one of the things that drove me to go back to school and get a master's degree. Without such a depressing job, maybe I wouldn't have been so determined to get that degree, but it did drive me, that's for sure. Something similar seems to happen to the son here. It's so bad, the son says, I have to go back to my father. I can't keep doing this work and having nothing to eat. So he goes back to his father, back to the man to whom he said essentially, I wish you were dead, and to the man whose fortune had been built up over a lifetime and wasted in perhaps just a few short months by his son. How will this father receive him? What will he do? Will he reprimand him and tell him what a fool he was? Will he demand payment back? No way. Jesus says the father runs out to meet the son. He hugs him and kisses him. It says when he saw, he saw him, he was filled with compassion. 
Then the father demands the best robe, which would have been his very own robe, sandals, and the ring, all of which signal that the father will not receive him as a servant, but only back as his own son. He is fully reinstated to his previous position. No punishment, no reprimand, no demand of repayment, just love and restoration. The fatty calf for the celebration would be enough to feed the whole village, so a giant party ensues as they celebrate this lost son who is now found. This may be a, a different kind of love than what we might expect. This isn't the love between two young people like in Les Mis. It's not friendship or what we might describe as brotherly love. This is love between a father and son and is known by many of us when we think of our families. It's the way we would do anything we could to help our child do better in school or help them navigate tough life decisions. It's the way we feel about our parents as they begin to age and we want them to be at peace and honor them even if they weren't perfect. These are responses born out of deep love and affection. Uh, we have our confirmation class every week until Pentecost, and we were talking a little about how we care for our families a few days ago. I sort of casually asked Christine, our youth minister, about what she would do for her son, and she said, oh, anything, absolutely anything. It wasn't even a question for her. Now, maybe our own children, when they are five or ten haven't quite gotten to that place of sacrificing for their families. Well, actually, no, that's not right. They are probably still in their teens or their 20s and still trying to figure it out. They're wondering what the most important things are, like their friends or their love interest or maybe the food that's in front of them. But usually the older we get, the more we figure out that our love for family is perhaps the deepest bond we will have with another human. I would dare say that bond helps us in the direction of the kind of love God wants us to have for him and for each other. And not just for each other in our families, it's for all people. God wants us to love everyone the way God loves us. Jesus describes for us how a father loves his son how God loves Jesus as well as the rest of us, and how we can be fathers and mothers to all those we meet. Think about that. What if we really, truly loved others and helped them and served them as though they were our spouses or our own children? That would be a revolution that would change the world. When my family first found out we were moving to Wyckoff to join Grace United Methodist Church, we told people here that there were five people in our family. I'm sure that was very confusing to people when we showed up five months later and there were only four of us. Where did number five go? Uh, we had just taken custody uh, back then of a tiny little baby through the foster care system. It was our baby Rosie. I wish you could see her sweet little face here. She is such an angel. For my wife, Emily, and I, we felt that fostering was the next step for us in loving other people the way we love our own family. When we found out we were moving, we helped make the transition 
from us as short-term foster parents to her permanent family, even though we were only part of her life for a short time, we love her. She is family to us. And our world is bigger and more beautiful because she was a part of it, and she still is. We know several other families in area churches that have taken similar steps. Some have even adopted children permanently into their home. They love these people as if they are family. You've done this too. A couple years ago, you had a Compassion International Day where you could sponsor children. They would receive food, clothing, education, and they can live a better life because you gave selflessly. Dozens of you started supporting children around the world as if they were your own. You love and support them without a second thought. That is a move toward the greatest gift God has for us, the gift of love. I want to invite you to take a moment and put your heart or your hand over your heart. Consider how God wants to take the love that is in you and to share it with the world. God wants you to love others the way God loves you. What steps might you take this week to show that love? How can you be a part of the transformation God is working in this world? It might inspire like Marius and Cassette. It may forgive like the prodigal, prodigal son's father. Maybe it will change a life forever as your love moves them closer to God. This is the call of God on our lives to love like God loves. Amen? Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.